0: Oh, and welcome to Everything Trying to Kill You, the podcast that analyzes but also got mad jokes about your favorite horror movies. Uh, I'm Mary. I'm Mary Kay. I'm Rachel. And today we are talking about one of my favorite things ever, ever in the history. One of my first favorite things as a human, like when I was so little that I was only first developing favorite things. <laughs> one of my favorite things. Uh, dinosaurs. I love dinosaurs and i went around as a toddler telling people that i wanted to be a paleontologist and i knew songs about them i had this book with songs and my mom and i found the songs online recently (laughs) because i get one stuck in my head all the time it goes like this do you want to hear it yes okay ornithomimus ornithomimus he's the running dinosaur ornithomimus ornithomimus that's what his long legs are for (laughs) running 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 that's what his long legs are for the end but i get it stuck in my head a lot and my mom and i found these songs and i'll see if i can find them I make a little playlist for y'all and link to it in the show notes because I, it's, they're, they're, they're pure gold. Okay. And the reason, the reason we're talking about dinosaurs today is because, hold on to your butt. Yay! We're discussing Steven Spielberg's 1993 Mega Smash Jurassic Park, which, um, I mean, I, I, mean, I love this movie. I don't feel like lots of people, this is like, oh, one of their favorites, you know, like, I'm not special there.
1: It- um. It holds up pretty well, I think. Yeah, like um, it's. I it's a lot of it's still fun to watch. So you may have noticed, listeners, that in our last episode, we told you you could watch this on Netflix. That changed. <laughs> now you can watch it on Peacock if you want to rewatch it. And let me tell y'all something about Peacock. We were talking about it before we started recording. Basically like you get to watch some stuff for free but it has a couple ads in it and they're not usually at the act break, you know.
0: Right. They're they're, they're just weird. in a random
1: time <laughs> spot. And my favorite one was when Arnold is at his shitty computer and you know with the cigarette ashing onto the keyboard. Mhm. Mm-hmm. And it cuts to commercial break and Samuel L Jackson 40 years later is on an iPad screen and i was like hold on that's not that's not the same shitty computer oh
2: the capital i had the capital I got, One ad yeah. right I, I watched it I twice had and it got me both times and then there's I, also jeff goldblum same for yes, apartment yes for apartments
0: when
2: he's doing his Oh, God. so that is good marketing who knew that Jeff Goldblum was going to age like such a fine wine?
0: Oh, you know what else I need to put in our show notes is this is that photo of me and Jeff Goldblum. Yes,
1: absolutely you do. Is yeah. Are both of y'all He's... just with broken legs and bare chested? Because that was my favorite opening sh- scene you know, there's shot like in a scene. I... There was
0: like a 40 foot statue of that in London, you know.
1: I didn't know that, but I'm not surprised because it was so out of place in this movie. It did not make any sense, but it was still a damn delight.
0: He straight up said that, like, the shot was supposed to be I mean, it was fundamentally like an establishing shot. Like, Malcolm is alive. He is upright. Things are fine. Here's where we are yeah, now. Yeah, but instead
1: he looks like fucking Burt Reynolds on his bearskin rug.
0: Yeah, he said Spielberg <laughs> came up to him all sneaky and was like, he 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 unbuttoned your shirt and rubbed baby oil on your chest. <laughs> big fabio vibes there. <laughs> big time, big time. Um All right, let's let's dig in because there are there are a lot of little like moments that are now such major like pop culture uh deals in this movie and we're going to hit a bunch of them before we dive into the movie directly. I want to know for our icebreaker. What is the coolest natural phenomenon, like an animal or an event or piece of geography or whatever, that you would never want to see up close, but actually still kind of do. Like, it's that fascinating that you, like, kind of, but also never, because it would. it's terrible and scary and, you know, that. Rachel's got her hand up, I think. She's basically a silhouette.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's so true.
0: <laughs> but I, it looks like she has her hand up. Okay, what's going on?
2: Okay. So, um, an animal mauling. Wait, hold on. Um, let me... Let me be more specific. Um, a big cat mauling. Actually, let me be even more specific. Um, <laughs> a big cat, like a tiger or lion mauling their owner, like like one of those like people who buy fucking big cats as like an accessory. like those magician ju- dudes, like I understand you guys like tame or quote unquote, tame these big cats. But then you take them out like they're like your fucking pet. So, yeah, I would really like I I think I would enjoy seeing people getting mauled because they think they're above some kind of natural law.
1: Rachel, are you being spiteful today because of this failed insurrection that's happening?
0: (laughs) Y'all, so we're recording on January 6th. Um King's which day. means that, which means that we woke up this morning like, woohoo, way to go, Georgia! Everything's gonna be and so cool And I soon. helped
1: because I live did. in Georgia.
0: <laughs> and then I, and then the day is ending with like death and mayhem and just I don't
1: desecration um, and yeah, terrible. Um, along,
0: I'm glad the mayhem has also been visited upon Mitch McConnell, but like, come on, man. Whoa. So, uh, yeah. Just, you know, if we get salty at points, it's because... if um...
1: Rachel wants to see somebody mauled by a tiger at points.
2: <laughs> but when you look, I mean, when you think about, like, Feels those like magicians part. who got, like, bit by Oh, no, by you're their, right. It's like, you, know? you have your no, head six, in eight. a tiger's mouth. Like, you, that's the tiger's job is to bite your head off. Like, so it's just, is, being I would a love tiger. to see a grown man be hummeled, hu- humbled, humbled because he thinks he's above... The natural world and universal laws. This is, like
0: This is not at all what I intended with my icebreaker, but I'm very interested in this conversation. And now I want to know what Mary Kay has to say.
1: Oh, well, I I think I'd want to see a volcano. Right?
0: Like, be in the helicopter above the volcano. I thought about or, that, too. um...
1: While we're indulging in this fantasy, like a time lapse of it growing into a mountain and then like steaming at the top like a zit and then exploding <laughs> like at the zit. top like a zit.
2: Why mm. like a zit? You could have done... Blanketing. You could have, you could have said so the many other things, but you chose <laughs> zit.
0: Blanketing the surrounding countryside and ash like a zit.
2: Yeah. <laughs> um, and then
1: I want the Pixar song in the background that says I love you oh yeah
0: oh my god
1: what about you Mary
0: well I've talked about wanting to swim with sharks before yeah like a shark that it's on my bucket list to be in the water with a shark that could kill me Ooh. like not one of those not one of those weak ass sharks not
1: trying to fuck with a nurse shark
0: fuck a nurse shark <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: like come on what the hell um but uh for the sake of variety so i was thinking of this as something that is like so upsetting to you that it has like that has the attraction repulsion effect like for me i thought about caving mm. like when oh. we talked okay, about descent case, and i was like landslide.
1: Uh, a landslide would really suck me up or a right, where it's like
0: something that like it's yeah. so upsetting to you that you can't like that you actually find yourself drawn to it um and for me like it's like the very deep ocean or caving mm-hmm. would be like that because i have such a again like i didn't know i had claustrophobia of any kind until someone was like do you want to go caving we can slither around on you our bellies him in the neck. and i blah, 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 blah. yeah yeah so yeah, my tongue had that like spontaneous uh, response.
2: <laughs> like Steve Carell whenever Jim Carrey took over his face.
0: <laughs> right, right.
2: I love when you were like reiterating this this icebreaker cuz I was actually thinking of but when Pam was like it's like a car crash and you you want to look away but you're but you can't cuz your boss is your making boss you is watch.
0: Making <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that that's what I was thinking, but I also am a intrigued by the answers we got instead because um, now i now i'm going to spend the whole time thinking about like what is a phenomenon i actually want want to see like if i could
1: mm-hmm.
0: in a fantasy world see it without coming to harm mm-hmm. what would i want to see it might still be sharks dudes like i don't know um i love them
1: sharks is kind, not a bad choice like ever sharks are
0: like kind of dinosaurs too mm-hmm. like The ones that didn't become
1: birds became sharks, specifically. Like, yeah, they're largely,
0: (laughs) largely unchanged from a prehistoric time. There's a few designs that nature just hasn't improved on. The alligator, the shark.
1: The cockroach. um, The mosquito, apparently.
0: So there are some moments where the science doesn't line up here. Um... Overall, generally, Michael Crichton does a good job of finding, like, a nugget of scientific truth that he can work with. Like, it has to be just real enough Mm -hmm. that you'll hang in there for the next 500 pages, right? Mm -hmm. And he generally does a good job with that. Um, The major flaw in this entire thing here, right, like the thing that cuts out the bottom of his his science shopping bag and lets all his groceries fall through, is um, the fact that the mosquito didn't exist uh, in conjunction with the dinosaur. Now, there were insects oh, that sucked ooh. blood. Like, there were analogous creatures. Mm-hmm. That's one large flaw, because kind of, sort of, at the heart of it, the idea that if a blood-sucking insect were encased in amber that long, you could potentially extract DNA is not its not totally wrong. It's not likely. But it's <laughs> not, like... It's not, like, so, so, so far off base that...
1: How about this, whole this story question? Is there uh-huh, such uh-huh. a thing as an amber mine?
0: I've never looked it up.
1: Because but then amber again... is made from tree sap. Mm-hmm, so it doesn't mm-hmm. make sense that there would be, like, a whole vein well, of a, it, right?
0: There's, like, a fossilized forest, basically, right? Like, if there's uh, a place... Okay. like So, like... Generally, Creighton did a ton, a ton of research so that all of this stuff would work. Um, so when the book said amber mines, I was like, sure. Okay. <laughs> okay, fine, I bet. Uh, but I've never looked it up. That's a good question. But yeah, in the book, they make the case that he's buying up. Hammond has been like buying up
1: all of the amber, amber
0: yeah. mines. Like he owns like 90 percent of the amber in the world. And that's what it took to get enough DNA for these 15 dinosaur species. <laughs> um. So, yeah, is... Is this scary? Like we've got, we've got humans we like trapped on an island with a bunch of dinosaurs. Is it scary? No.
1: Yeah, I don't think so either. But I do want to tell you a quick story about whether it's scary because my little cousin Jake um, was probably three when this movie mm-hmm. came out, um, and we did not go to see this movie. We went to see something else, like The Lion King or something else that came out in 93.
0: Well, I was going to say, you would have been real young, because I was young shit in 93. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Like, this was... I
1: I was five when this came out, and I didn't see it in theaters, I don't think. Right, right. Um, It was PG-13, so that, you know, I would have seen it later at home. Um, Yeah. But... For some reason, we walked into the theater to see something else, a cartoon movie. And that movie was, like, the trailer was running. And my little cousin looked up at the screen like this. And then he took off running out of the theater, out of the lobby, into oh. the parking lot, <laughs> past the parking lot. And my uncle had to, like, chase him. He was laughing so hard because he was like... Oh fucking no! He just took off. That's why he he did it for everything, like fireworks. He would just start running. He didn't know where he was going. He was where he was going was away. Like, he just would. He so I mean,
0: it's not a terrible instinct
1: there. I mean, no, it's not. It's a good instinct, but also I, it was very inconvenient for my uncle because he would just be like, "Oh, there right. he goes. Like, I going to go no. take care of my other you know, kid while I go find him."
0: It's funny. Like I I rewatched this. I mean, I rewatch this pretty frequently. I like it. Um, and it was only relatively recently that I was, that, you know, we've been doing this show and I talk about horror all the time that I was like, oh my God, it's following the rules. Like, I mean, this is... it
1: definitely could have been a horror movie.
0: And I it think all that for had of the
1: trappings of a horror movie, yeah, but it wasn't. And I, which is fine, two... like, so does The Mummy. And we did that, there
0: are, so. There are, there are two things, I think, that really make it difficult to, for... for Not everyone, but a lot of us, I think, to totally make that leap and be like, yeah, it's just I'm just going to call it horror. I mean, I'm comfortable doing that. But A, if you were alive when this movie came out, like alive and aware, the marketing at the time treated this as a family adventure movie. And the marketing on this, this was one of this was at the time and became like a case study for successful movie marketing because the tie-ins made more money than the movie made at the box office and this movie briefly held the box office record like globally like for for wow. like just just like total ticket sales because this came out with lunch the lunch boxes and the toys well, and, I think and it the, helped like too was... that the concept
1: of the movie was hmm. a, like a theme park so you had like the jacket, the lunch bot, you had like all of the shit you would have bought in the all, gift
2: shop.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, and, you know, they partnered with McDonald's and stuff. So if you were a cognizant at the time that Jurassic Park was a thing, and especially if you were a human child, it was being sold to you as a movie you would like. Even though my parents rightly were like, no, she <laughs> will find this terrifying. <laughs> like, um but it was marketed as a like a family or adventure movie and i watch it now and i'm like this is this is this is a horror movie that you sold lunch boxes for um <laughs> and i i don't know if you remember that family that lovely family we met um at Spooky Empires, that I said do. with the, with their with their daughters, yeah. and they said, "Yeah, we started with they started with movies like this. Mm-hmm. They did this and Gremlins, and there were a few others that they watched that were like family horror to kind of yeah. gauge like where the girls were in their like readiness for right. for bigger ticket horror, um, because there's a prehistoric monster full of teeth chasing them around an an island. Like, damn. Um, and the other thing that I think works against it. In our minds, besides the marketing, is the fact that John Williams scored it.
1: Oh, for sure, the soundtrack is what makes it like epic rather than terrifying. I-
0: exactly, yeah. and as we know, John Williams can do a horror score. He's done the most iconic one, right. probably well, certainly one of the top three, but probably the most iconic in Jaws. Um, but that's the thing: we think of Jaws as horror, and I don't.
1: I mean, this of- definitely has. Like a parallel structure of Jaws, except for, you know, only the bad guy. The character of the bad guy is the one who dies, except for, of course, a few people of color, which is also a staple of the genre. <laughs> so right,
0: right. As um, we know. <laughs> so yeah, the, I feel like this is a pretty solid. Like it's it's a creature, for, and I there were definitely moments where like I jumped. Like, you know, a velociraptor stuck its head out of where I wasn't expecting it to be. The and raptors
1: even are the worst. The best worst. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man,
0: they're so cool. Fun
1: fact, uh, the same cousin who ran uh-huh. out of the theater, I guess when, like, the second or third one came out, did a velociraptor impression where he would run down the hall like the Raptor and like run up the side of the wall and down and stuff and scare the fuck out of his sister and it was such a delight because she was such a bee to him all the time. Anyway it was great. He also did like a shrieking monkey run That really freaked her out too it was funny.
0: I used to I used to walk around like a velociraptor when I worked at Nordstrom and they, <laughs> amazing they had, they had hired this dude who would like come play the piano. For, like, the store's ambiance, and every time... He did a John Williams medley, and every time he played the Jurassic Park theme, I would, like, velociraptor around yeah. the, home, the home goods department where I worked.
1: Well, I'm glad you got to work in the home goods department. That sounds amazing. Um, yeah, it was fun. They also used that score um, at the Botanical Gardens Holiday Lights in Atlanta, um, which, by the way, if y'all are ever in the Atlanta area, we are going, because it is magical, but um and then it transitioned into et and i had to be like chase i know this song it's a it's what is it from it's from something really famous and there's a kid scream laughing and he's flying in the sky and chase was like et and i was like it is et it's (laughs) et in conclusion we will defeat everyone at catchphrase
0: so about the science and whether that makes it scary or not because it's already come up that like this may or may not work and we may or may not have known that at the time. Like forget what we know now about genetics, but at the time, even stretch. Um,
1: What? Like it's hard. That technician (laughs) is like, it's not hard to turn off someone's DNA.
0: What? (laughs) Um, You mean the inimitable BD Wong? Oh my God. I love him so much. Um,
1: Yeah, that's who that is.
0: Oh yeah. He's fantastic. So, uh, well, you know, the science for me is kind of the negligible point. The theme of like the, 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 the point of the science, like the theme behind it is what messes me up. Like if someone told me like, Mary, we can make dinosaurs and we can learn so much about the ancient world. and like, let's do it. I, would I get it. Like I get the, I get the draw and I get the, the hubris and everything like that, that unsettles me. Like, I feel like this, could happen like this degree
1: of yeah the main reason i didn't find this scary is because i'm about to try to use your own argument against you um whenever you're like would i do that thing no i would never Mm. go into the woods all alone so it's not scary to me because that's not a position i'd ever put myself in i would never go to this theme park
0: so here's the thing the people in this movie didn't know that's what they were doing
1: See, when I rewatched it, I realized that. And I was like, that oh, they did! I... They suckered him in by saying, hey, you want three more years of your art grant? And then you're like, fuck yeah, I'll come look at your little theme park. BFD. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It, and they didn't know what it was. The only one who seems to have known before, well, Gennaro, the lawyer, obviously knows what he's going to do. Right. Um, but Malcolm seems to know what the park is supposed to be. Yeah. But when he gets there, he still doesn't know that they've already done it. Right. He just knows what it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Malcolm and Ellie have no idea
1: you what they're going to see until they get Ellie?
0: there. Thank you. Uh, Grant and Ellie.
1: No, um, I just wanted to make sure I had it right in my head.
0: Yes, I'm sorry. No, yes. Grant and, uh, Grant and Ellie, Grant and Sattler have no idea what they're going to see until they get there. And the kids are children. Like, we're not going to fault children for the choices of their parents or grandparents as they're, you know, like that's not how to say.
1: Okay. So I had this, (laughs) I made my own brain laugh because whenever Tim is just chilling in the car, that's in the tree, Mm -hmm. he's like, I threw up. I'm like, no, it was after that actually. Uh, where I was just like, damn, Tim is the goat. And then right after I said that, the goat oh, no. on the oh, windshield. No. no. And I was like, oh, but Tim, damn, he's such a precocious little boy. And then he gets fucking electrocuted off of that fence. Has he not been through enough? Damn, he fell off a cliff, grandpa. Shit. Let's talk let's talk about these characters. Cause there's a
0: there so Lex and Tim are very different from their book iterations. Thank God. Because in yeah. the book well, I was like, You are supposed to be a good writer. This book sold a bajillion copies. What the fuck is this tiny human plot device? Yeah. That makes choices that I make I was no glad
1: sense? that the, the kids on screen had actual personalities for one. Number two is so is Michael Crichton was he limited to only writing in the very specific subgenre of Fucked up theme park because this and Westworld is what I know him for.
0: <laughs> well, you know, also like Andromeda Strain, and timeline, and his his he he's been on science. You know, he he's a I know high he's sci-fi, guy. but
1: is he is he sci-fi theme park? Is that
0: no, no, not specifically. He's just you know, got two iterations there
1: because i'm trying to think of another sci-fi theme park and i got nothing like he's the only one
0: well westworld westworld also kind of got a lock on a genre there like not a lot of folks have i don't know i don't i don't i don't know how you how you expi- like where do you go with that concept right that that's something he has done well historically is that the concept at the heart of the novel is always like Oh, God. Like, of course, if we had the science to make dinosaurs and then make a billion dollars <laughs> having people look at them, we would do that. Like, that is definitely what humans would do, you know? But in the book, the kids' ages are reversed, hmm. which is neither here nor there. But in the book, Tim is both the computer expert and the dinosaur expert and is quite capable. While Lex is like seven or eight, right? She's sporty. Like she carries around a baseball everywhere. And like, that's her whole personality is like wanting to play catch all the time. And she also makes all of the dumbest choices. Like like at one point, like when Tim is trying to reset the whole computer system, it has a touch screen and she's like, click this. And he's like, no, Lex, don't touch anything. And she's like, well, I think you should do it. And just touches it. Like, I'm sorry. Have you never been around a human child? I get that seven is not very old, but a seven-year-old who has spent the last 48 hours being pursued by bloodthirsty dinosaurs and watched other humans die does not behave the way this child in this book does, where like, they're like, Lex, be quiet. The dinosaurs will hear us. And she is like, why? As loud as she can. (laughs) Yes,
1: this is the sexism of survival situations that Ellie wanted to talk about later. Also... The book makes a
0: lot, a lot of conversation. First of all, Ellie's much younger in the book. And the book makes a lot of conversation about her legs.
1: I will go Though, on record and say they objectify the bad guy's legs just as much as they do hers.
0: They objectify... I felt it was real equal opportunity objectification. Across like, across the board. the board here. Like, you, you know, got like, that
1: guy's tree trunk thighs all the way out. She didn't have to, like... She wasn't, like, inexplicably no. wearing
0: less clothing at any point, right. you know? She was sensibly um,
1: dressed. She just had amazing legs also. Right.
0: right. Um, in the book, she and Grant aren't together, though. Mm. And I kind of wish they hadn't been in this, too, because it made for it have a sweet moment. It didn't add to anything. It didn't add to anything, and there was a sweet moment because in the book, the kids are there, and I think they reference this in the movie, that the kids are there because their folks are getting divorced.
2: Mm.
0: Yeah, and it's kind of it a, a like like a little hurrah for them, like to kind of distract them. Mm -hmm. So the kids, obviously, because they're little kids, like assume that Grant and Ellie are together. And when he's like, no, my wife died and she's marrying a nice doctor in Chicago next year. The kids are like, oh, so like love isn't real and no one has love. And and Grant has to be like, ah, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) But in the book, Grant also loves children. And in the movie, I think that was such a smart shift because then he gets this arc alongside his... Alongside the events of the story, his arc of of like learning to appreciate um, the kids and and appreciate the fact that honestly, he probably is. It's more likely that he survived because of the steps he had to take to keep them safe mm-hmm. and care for them. So it's really well, he sweet.
1: wasn't a dick. He just no. didn't love being around kids.
0: No. Oh my god, that moment where Lex won't let go of his hand is like the funniest thing I've that ever. That was
2: really funny. There's there's two like <laughs> there's like there's like three like dad situations happening in this movie. First you get the obvious, which is the grandfather, because he's a he's literally a grandfather. Then you have that moment, which is he 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 was just like such a like a dad that entire movie. And then of course we have Jeff Goldblum which is just always daddy. <laughs> daddy. So and I don't wanna I don't wanna beat this over the head because um, I know we're moving away from the scary into the characters, but as you were talking, Mary, I think this only confirms with me more that it is a family movie because the bulk of it is those family awe aw kind of moments, while there's very so few little horror in it to me so- well
0: then what was poltergeist
1: nonsense hot nonsense.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> but that was, yeah that's you know i mean like i said i i don't for the three of us because we were you know we have grown up with this movie and we're you know present for it to be positioned to us a certain way i don't know i'd be really curious to know what someone who's like 20 years old now thinks of it when they watch it like how scary they feel it is or or, how they classify it because i don't know i for me it just it's so impossible like i'm with you in that like for me this is a this is a fun family adventure movie that i put on just when i want to have something fun on in the background yeah that also has limbs flying everywhere and humans being dismembered yeah
2: in a comedic way like when that when the arm was on ellie like that was actually kind of funny but
0: the dude on the toilet, like, how did we that not talk funny. about that on the playground <laughs> but, for years? Like the dude getting eaten on the toilet. Right. And
2: so, <laughs> so I just—he wasn't even pooping. Went, he was just hiding in there. So when you do, you, everyone talks about that moment when they're like in the basement or or in some room in their house where they have to turn off the light and then go up the stairs. Usually, mm-hmm. it's a basement. And the thing, the the thing that you're running from in your mind is different for uh-huh. everybody. I am now 30 years old, Uh and when I do this, I still see, to this day, I'm still terrified of that thing from the movie, Ernest Scared Stupid. Like, that thing still terrifies me, but when I was a little kid and saw Jurassic Park, I didn't find Um, it. It just...
0: Well, yeah. Yeah. No, I... Well, I mean, sure. Also, what kids find scary is is an unpredictable. Like, I watch The Nightmare Before yeah. Christmas now, and I'm like, well, How did this not ruin all of our brains? Right.
1: That yeah. mayor I am has the a turn around with
2: a tear away, fa- face tear away
0: face. face. That mayor's head swivels right the fuck around. Yeah. Sure like
2: <laughs> That um, movie should because I actually, I even I, I made a list in my mind of a lot of other titles that can have scary elements, but. Mm-hmm would never be considered horror. It, you said my first one, the obvious, Nightmare Before Christmas. And then you also have, like, Harry Potter. Like, if you go by the book... Mm-hmm. Like, okay, so it's by the I, book. I
0: think this is much scarier than Harry Potter. Well, no one drinks a butterbeer up in this shit.
2: In the, To be fair, is and to shout out to my very good friend and a, a, a someone, a guest who's been here before, Stephen... He was, he, he's like, no, Jurassic Park is definitely scary. I never read the book. And he sent me a YouTube video, like, of somebody reading the scene when Nedry dies. That was Mm. fucking terrifying. I'll give you Mm. that. But the movie, I mean, Tiger King could be considered horror if you put it in the right light.
0: Well... My whole light for... Well, first of all, like I said, I rewatched this. I saw it structurally. It really lined up. And I was curious about, like, what makes it tick then? Like, what... Okay. Why don't we feel that way about it? Or why haven't we historically felt that way about it? Um, But also, I was like, well, if The Revenant was horror because there was a bear in it, then I feel like this is pretty... We've got a case here. we got a case to make.
1: I feel like all of the elements of horror revolve around Nedry. Because... (laughs) First of all, you hired Newman to do your cybersecurity. What were you thinking? Also, this guy is splurging in the wrong places. Hammond, you don't need to have somebody bidding on the job of running your cybersecurity and your the, the whole security system of Look. your park. You need to find the person who won't work for less than their worth. That's the person you need for a job like this.
0: I mean, I mean, he keeps saying they spared no expense.
1: Well, he spared some expense because that's why Nedry sells out because he's not making enough money. That's why. Well, I,
2: yeah, I, so, no, sorry. Go ahead, Rachel. That's yeah. why I wrote in the in the outline, and it sounds much better than what I'm actually going to say. I'm more proud of the title that I wrote than my idea mm-hmm. behind it. <laughs> which is, which is Nedri and the Essential Worker, the true horror. Which is basically saying, if you fucking compensated essential workers, we wouldn't be in this fucking mess in the first place. So like, if he was comp- yes, yes. Nedry is greedy, and he probably would have done it anyway, but the, the idea here is that if he was making a certain compensation- he controls the whole show. That's probably worth a good penny. And he so there's yeah no there, there's some distinction here
0: too between movie and book. In the movie, clearly Nedry believes he's underpaid, but we don't know if that's totally true. Like we know what he's saying, right? Hammond, Hammond clearly thinks he paid a fair. Excuse me, Hammond clearly thinks he paid a fair amount. So fine and you know we'll just we'll just we'll never know I guess because now Nedry is dissolved in Dilophosaur spit um but in the book Hammond is a totally different character and I'd like to talk about him for a second because casting Sir Richard Attenborough was
1: wait before we talk about Hammond I need to say a couple more things about Newman I mean (laughs) um,
0: (laughs) tell you what tell you what you you Take us home with Nedry, and then we're going to get into some ham and shit. How about that?
1: Okay, yes. I like that plan. The most realistic part of the effects in this movie to me were Nedry's glasses fogging up.
0: That is the first thing you texted me while you were watching. I was
1: trying so hard not to text y'all while I was watching this. I was like, no, save it. No, I want to save it. Oh, because
0: you didn't want to, yeah. But
1: I could not resist that part, and I just... They. They didn't hire a cybersecurity person. Hammond hired a hacker. That that guy nowadays would be like ransoming grandma's family pictures, for a side hustle. Like that is what he would be doing. He was not qualified to do that position. And to Malcolm's point, who he was, he was like you just stood on the shoulders of a bunch of geniuses you didn't earn any of this you don't have any respect for any of this that's what he did with nedry too
0: so in the book this is the perf. that was honestly this is the perfect segue in the book hammond is a very different character not a character i ever wanted to to see Sir Richard Attenborough play because Richard Attenborough is a treasure. He is a gem. He is the delight. And I think the direction yeah, they take in the movie. Yeah, you don't
1: dislike him in the movie.
0: No. Just like, and oh, I think oh, that's. oh, have I
1: thought this through. You're a little bit of a quick starter. Ex-
0: and I think that's a really, that was a meaningful distinction. Yeah. In the books, he is a hyper-capitalist villain. Monster. He is mm. willfully ignorant. He's a dick. Like, he is manipulative and, like, willfully abusive. And in the movie, no, he's, he's a... He is a lovely man with a big heart and really big ideas. Who whose ideas and heart are so much bigger than his capacity to deliver, like see forward.
1: Exactly.
0: Yeah, you he, know, like he he's even really... notices
1: it in the room. He's like, so the only person on my side is the money hungry lawyer, the
0: blood sucking lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, he does. he really thought he was going to bring them there once they saw... Because he is so... Ta- he is, like the kids, like, taken by the majesty of the dinosaurs. Yeah, and he right? even
1: says, like, this is not just for the very rich. Everyone should be able to see this. Okay, we'll have a coupon the,
0: day. He expresses... <laughs> <the asshole>. op- <laughs> he expresses the opposite sentiment in the book. Yeah. In the book, Gennaro, the lawyer, is a very different character, and he's the one saying, like, well, I mean, like, come on, they're dinosaurs. And, and Hammond does like...
1: Mm, I
0: don't know. Uh, well we can do other stuff for them <laughs> like they can so watch a tv basically show about Westworld,
1: it west world if it's only for rich people I kind mean, of yeah not, i mean but like the parameters of the no yeah yeah of the business um, so model
0: yeah yeah exactly so in the book he is a really sinister character and he has deliberately taken advantage of nedri and that he promised him a certain sum mm-hmm. then claims the work it it's It's exactly the Trump model, promise a certain sum, claim the work wasn't done to your standard, so then you won't pay. It.
2: Oh yeah, I, well, I still kind of had like a a distaste for him in the movie, especially after and I I, I I couldn't exactly see why I got the parts that like, oh, he's like playing with this fire and playing god that's that's not. Gonna end well for you, but the, the the thing that confirmed my distaste for him was when he told the story about the flea circus. I'm like, this mm-hmm. is a con man. Well, fucking well, Colonel po- Colonel Sanders, fucking con
0: man. Well, my takeaway from that was <laughs> Colonel Sand. My takeaway from that was because his whole point is like he didn't want to do that. Like he didn't want it to be a con. He wanted it to be that. Like, that's the whole point of Jurassic Park is mm-hmm. that these aren't the fleas. This is this is real. Like they're they're real. But of course, by making it real, he has made something that is then real. Like, yeah. he can't, he can't, like, manage or control it. Like, the, the book is able to go into a lot of detail about, like, the way the dinosaurs, like, their social structures and stuff fuck up the systems they had put in place or how they thought they would behave, like, fucks up stuff, you know? Um, but they do a pretty, I feel like they do a decent job of something I, I we're going to get into in a little bit is the way they just like fucking crank some really challenging exposition in really smart ways Mm. so that the movie doesn't just like sag horribly for 30 minutes at a stretch, you know? And I think, I think making Hammond relatable, or even if he's still foolish, even if you still disagree with all of his choices, making his motivations more admirable, Makes him a more complicated character. It makes it harder to just be like, I hate you, you're the bad guy.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, there's almost no one in this in this movie who is just like the categorically bad guy. They, Everyone has their reasons for sucking at various points. And Hammond is just more responsible than most. Um, even if he's basically still the Santa Claus from Miracle on 34th Street. Which, you you remember when he was in that? He, this is the same. Guy. That's 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 Richard
1: Attenborough. I don't think I've actually yeah, I've ever seen that movie.
0: movie. Oh, for the remake, the remake of Miracle on 34th Street. That's him. Yeah, it's wonderful. I love it. It's sweet.
1: You wanted to talk about Malcolm, I think.
0: Y'all know. Okay, so look. Obviously, it's Jeff Goldblum. I love him too. Don't get me wrong. But can I tell y'all who else who else screen tested for this? That I was like, oh no. Bruce Campbell.
2: <laughs> Bruce Campbell. Would, I would have. Which one is Bruce Campbell? Oh my god! Fuck. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just what, realized what? what I did there. I'm sorry. Okay. Wow.
1: <laughs> no, I think this was the right choice.
2: Yeah. I think so, but I
0: also, I feel like I would have also enjoyed that movie.
2: I feel it like been really different. In, in, I feel like the '90s were, were like prime jeff goldblum because like when did independence day come out
0: um not long after this but it was after this
2: like people talk about what what year was it it was like 2013 i think it was was the year of mcconaughey all of the 90s (laughs) was the decade (laughs) of jeff goldblum
0: i mean this is a fantastic cast so so creighton actually um He didn't want to have a bidding war. Like instead of having like studios bid at him with like, we want the the rights. He was like, "Eh, I just want the right person to do it. So each studio had their like man on deck. And each of these directors was like total. I mean, it was, it was, you know, it was the friggin'. I can't, I don't even have a good comparison, guys people were storming the Capitol today. Okay. It was a bunch <laughs> of really good directors. You don't get a simile or a metaphor today. Um and ultimately he felt like he like Spielberg would be the right guy. Like he liked his work and he liked the direction he thought Spielberg would take Wait, it. Because as chose you said it? Crichton Crichton, okay. Crichton mm. said um that he was like actually uh, that's who I want to do it. That's that that's good. I think he's gonna do something really interesting with it. He he anticipated that spielberg would take it any more family friendly direction and he liked the idea of that because kids like dinosaurs and he was interested to see what that looked like so he, mm. he picked he picked that instead of fielding a bidding war because he was michael Crichton. he didn't he was going to make a million dollar billion trillion dollars anyway he didn't need to do that mm-hmm. um also did you guys know he was like super 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 tall
2: who
0: michael Crichton.
1: Mm-mm. What? I'm
0: gonna How look it up, because i How tall was he? All right, hold on. I'm gonna double check myself, so I don't double wreck myself.
1: He was five
0: like I... foot 10. <laughs> no, he that wasn't. That would be
1: hilarious, though, because that's just like a normal tall person.
0: Five foot 10 is tall to
1: you? It's just like, it's tall side. It's not even-
0: He was six foot nine.
1: Damn! Yeah.
0: Wait. What?
1: Yeah, he was six foot nine. <laughs> yeah. What else do you want to say about that fact?
0: Well, you know, it's not like he, he had like, no one was aware of any like 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 condition that would, like, caught. He just was a super super tall guy.
1: Okay. So as much wisdom as he shares at the boardroom table, what is he sure even doing here? Like, I don't know. why did they invite a mathematician? First of all. Second of all. How, who is a mathemat- Who is a trendy mathematician that you know? Don't worry, I'll wait. Don't
2: worry, I'll wait. And then, well, n-
1: number three, what even is chaos theory, and why does it have to, What does it have to do with dinosaur theme parks?
0: So, chaos theory is yeah. is a, like a, a more unified way of explaining natural phenomenon, which is that you know, for a long time, the thinking was like there, there, everything has an order, everything oh. has an order. If you get down deep enough, you'll find that everything has an order. And chaos theory kind of sprang out of the reality that the deeper down we got, the more we found that things actually didn't necessarily behave in it or in any way that had an order we could detect or understand. And uh, so, how is that book,
1: a theory, though?
0: I don't, I'm not smart enough to explain chaos theory in bite size on this podcast.
1: Okay.
0: I am smart enough to say that even in the book where Crichton has. 100 pages to expand over the course of the story on what chaos theory is or why it makes any fucking tiny pinpoint of sense to have invited this person, I was never sold either.
1: Okay, and then another plot point that I need to point out, and I felt super vindicated because Google auto-filled it for me. What happened to the Triceratops in Jurassic Park? So in the... In the novel, they expand,
0: the, it's kind of a nice moment for Dr. Sattler, because they say she's a paleobotanist, right? Like, she studies
1: mm-hmm. extinct
0: plants. And so she knows what the toxicity, she recognizes the toxicity, right? Like, mm-hmm. she can recognize what's wrong, but there's no evidence that the animal is actually eating the plant she knows it's eating. Mm-hmm. And as they examine the area, they discover that there are these like weirdly uniform the little piles of very smooth stones yeah yes and they discover that the the dinosaur has like a segmented stomach like a cow so it's swallowing gravel to help with its digestion and when it swallows the gravel it's picking up the dropped like the dead berries for that plant that she the, the african uh west african lilac that she knows it's eating um so it's not eating the plant but it's accidentally ingesting the berries when it eats oh. the rocks and then like a cow it spits up the rocks when they've gone smooth and they're no longer doing their job and that's when she can see the berries in there. That's when they figure out why oh it's only getting sick every six weeks because it only swallows a new batch of rocks every six weeks and, yeah so it's a cool little mystery to solve and I don't know why they didn't just take the extra
1: two,
2: two minutes of screen dialogue. time
0: yeah, yeah to like get there like it seems weird I actually forgot um, all
2: about
1: it I didn't. I was like, this Triceratops about to have a litter of baby Triceratops, and I don't know why that's gonna fuck everybody up because they're vegetarian. But
2: I thought so too. I thought she um, was pregnant.
1: You know, the mind just sees what it wants to see. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you but, guys just—you guys had such big hopes for this Triceratops. Yeah, we And did. her motherhood goals.
2: <laughs> you were like, twenty twenty. is your year, honey? But do, but <gasps> back to um back to Jeff Goldblum. So. Even in the book, his role seemed pretty, like, what are you even doing here? Like, like, it was, it was, like you know when people talk about, like, those. I'm micro- here for the ice cream, y'all. Like, you know when um, people talk about, like, microaggressions in the uh, workplace? Like, or I, mean, I mean, like, things that annoy you in the workplace. Like, oh, that meeting could have been an email. I feel mm-hmm. like his, his role as a character is the very manifestation of that. Like, you could have just emailed us... Chaos theories and bite-sized forms. You didn't have to be here.
0: Like, like <laughs> so many authors, Crichton frequently inserted a character to act as like his own, as his stand-in, right? Like the oh, character who so share his perspective. Oh, so he trying to get
1: to be the hot one. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah. Uh, and he in was in the there book, for the sexual tension.
0: In the book, Malcolm is not hot, and there's no tension again because remember in the book, Sattler and Grant are not together, right? So it's not a triangulation. Um, and even if he comments that, like, oh, well, Ellie's attractive. Ellie's just like, OK, well, shut up.
2: Yeah, the way he was, he like, was like, holding okay. on to her hair.
0: Woo! And he was just like, oh, OK. Um, so no, that's just because it was Jeff Goldblum that this character ends up being hot. Now, in the book, yeah, the, the, he had plenty of room to convince me. And he just never totally did that a mathematician was the right, as opposed to, like, engineer, an engineer of some kind or civil engineer, somebody like there had to be somebody who was a better, better option to like predict the likelihood of success of the systems that you plan to put in place. Like that's how it was presented as he like, he coordinated with this, this chaos theory expert math, mathematician to determine whether the park would be successful. And I was like, well, why? Because one of the, tenets like kind of one of the underpinnings of chaos theory is that even when things are all hypothetically the same, there are so many... There are things you can't account for, even in the field of math, where like things should be the same every time. Mm-hmm. That that change things, mm-hmm. and I was like, yeah, but that is I don't need a mathematician to tell me that when I'm introducing living creatures to the equation, especially extinct ones where I don't know anything about them, um, that like I won't be able to predict how that's gonna turn. I didn't need, I, di- I didn't need Jeff Goldblum, with his shirt unbuttoned, to tell me that. I want Jeff. I want. Did, I did Jeff, need that. I want I want Jeff Goldblum with his shirt unbuttoned to tell me that, okay. but I don't, I don't need that you to understand. You know who I this.
1: don't want to give me a whole bunch of exposition is this condescending-ass cartoon DNA. <laughs> Dinosaurs. What the? Who did that? Who let that go?
0: <laughs> who, I loved it.
1: Who put a in this box?
0: <laughs>
1: did this.
0: my favorite part of that whole presentation was that it starts with hammond going up on stage and then hammond talking to himself like hello john and i was like wait this motherfucker planning to lead every single tour for the rest of time yes he was <laughs> he loves his dinosaur so fucking much that he was like every time there's a tour i'm gonna introduce you know it. every
1: time he's on the way to work he's just beaten on the dashboard dinosaur dinosaur dinosaur
0: <laughs> to be fair that's how i go to work every day and i i don't i work at a, at a mall so um also i don't go to work i don't go to work any day anymore so like you know
2: life is great <laughs> 2021's
0: off on the right fucking foot um that cartoon dna guy is really funny no spielberg was super emphatic that he was like i wanted to feel like it's based on those like like schoolhouse rock
1: oh it definitely felt like schoolhouse rock except for more patronizing somehow yeah
0: yeah very much so yeah i love it i loved it it's it's very funny to me like it's effective for what it is supposed to be
1: I feel like just, I remember going to a Jurassic Park theme park and that DNA was there.
0: Like you went to like on the ride at like Universal or something or whatever. I must have when yeah. I was a little yeah. kid, yeah. 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 That makes sense.
2: I remember Microsoft Word it used to have that little guy. that Clippy. Little paper, little, yeah. that He had a name. His name was Clippy. Clippy. Yeah. Oh, the I paper. didn't know that. I just remember <laughs> and the little fucker would show up and he would like try and help you. And then like every time he popped up I got really excited because like not word association but like image association I guess. I I kept thinking he was gonna be like the DNA guy and make things like really like really cool. Like really fun but instead, and yeah, he was really like... cool. And then I would get really disappointed that he's just like, Hey, looks like you're writing an essay. Let me help. <laughs> so now yeah, I he have, was like, looks like So now I have fucking trust issues because of a fucking DNA cartoon strand.
0: Yeah, that bitch was like, "Hey, looks like you're writing a resume. You want a hand?" And I was like, "Yeah, what you got?" And they're like, well start this category." I was like, "I will have that kind of experience." And I was so, like, oh, "All right, so here's the next category." I was like, "Oh, I don't have, I don't have that, that either." Was the most
2: was the most unhelpful. <laughs>
0: Just Piece rude. Sh- yeah, rude. Just, by the by the time he tried to teach you how to write a resume, at the end he was like, "Do you really want to do this?" and You were like, "What?
1: You are not Excuse qualified me, for sir? this position."
0: Clippy was like, "I don't know, but I just came you from the Seven Eleven. I just barns. came from. Stop I just it. came from the. I just came from the Seven Eleven. They said they were understaffed. So, okay, Clippy. Whatever, man." Um I'm I'm so sorry that this hilarious weird DNA dude really ruined Clippy for you.
2: That's okay.
1: Rachel, I haven't laughed that hard in some year.
2: Listen, I'm glad you know, you get a, you get something out of my pain.
0: Um so okay, hold on. So here's the thing about the little DNA guy though. So There is a point when you're reading a Michael Crichton novel where you're like, okay, here we go, buckle up, because you're going to get all the science explained at you really hard for like a chapter or two. And it's just it's going to be like 50 pages you need to read to understand the rest of the story. But it's going to be like 50 pages of just pummeled by science. And this movie does the same, like accomplishes everything it needs to accomplish so much more smoothly so I, I think I've told you guys before like on my window I have this big window in my room and I drew out like a a screenwriting kind of like formatting guide so for, it, it's something that I put together myself so it's a mashup of different styles of outlining and I was watching the movie and every time I was like oh and we're, we're in a new sequence oh that was a that was an important plot point and I like checked the timing I was like dear god This is the most tightly drawn, like eight sequences style, like by any, any, the hero's journey, eight sequences, save the cat, no matter how you want to map it out. It's just airtight. And it's because they managed to shift all of this clunky ass exposition to a point in the story where it actually becomes like event and complication. So instead of coming at the beginning of the story, like, well, here's how we made the dinosaurs and here's why you should be worried about it. It's then presented as like the dinosaurs are here. Like you've already come to the new world. You've already crossed the threshold. You're already in the experience. So discovering that we don't have full DNA sequences and we're using frog DNA is a complicator. Discovering that they're making dangerous species like velociraptors is a complicator. Discovering that the kids are going to be here even though this park is not finished and that's kind of concern. like there's all these complicating events so that by the midpoint when the T-Rex breaks out of its paddock you've got all that exposition accomplishes what it needed to in terms of you having the right information to be appropriately terrified without it having felt like you spent the last half hour in a classroom that's true really just Smart and well done, because every time I think about this movie, I'm just like, that shouldn't have worked. That that took too much explanation. Like that movie shouldn't be as enjoyable as it is for the amount of explanation you need for the movie to make mm. sense in the first place. That It, it works.
2: Wait, so are just... you telling me that in the book there isn't a Clippy?
0: <laughs> oh, no, there is. There is. Um, but, you know, I just I couldn't. I guess it was a failing of imagination on my part for like what Clippy, what that iteration of Clippy could be. And Spielberg outstripped me there. So in fact, um, so hold on, give me two seconds here to pull up the right name. Um, but the other writer,
2: wait a minute. Didn't one of y'all say is either one of y'all or somebody else who said that the movie while we're talking about dinosaurs, the movie We're Back. Remember the cartoon movie? <laughs> doesn't hold up. Yeah, wasn't it you that said it doesn't hold up?
0: But <laughs> No, no, actually, I think We're Back might. I think I said it was rock doodle doesn't hold up. Yeah, maybe you it's said We're Back, said I we're back
2: but I think you were like, no, it's not We're Back, it was something else. Because I, I remember We're Back being really good. Is it not?
0: I loved it. I think rock doodle doo is the one that doesn't hold up.
2: I don't know. I've never heard of rock doodle doo
0: um in fact so Spielberg wanted the little girl from Land Before Time because that was his project too to to play Lex but she was dead oh by by her father's hand oh I'm not kidding this the little is girl getting who played worse yeah the, the little girl from Land Before Time was murdered by her father
1: huh i did not know that
2: wow, that right? sucks
0: no, yeah, so um David uh Cup, I hope I'm saying his name correctly there, guys, but he the so he's the he was he is credited as a co writer with Michael Crichton. Um, to the best of my understanding, he essentially did the final draft. Like Crichton drafted it a couple times, and then Cup came in and like did like the final tooling to actually make it screen ready. And uh he said that one of the challenges is because because Spielberg has such a, you know, fantastic cinematic imagination when you're writing for him you have this tendency to like write the spielberg movie like you're trying to write Mm. what you already might picture a spielberg movie being and you instead you have to just like write a good story so that he can then do that to it (laughs) like the original opening sequence he wrote was like he was proud of it and spielberg was like i mean this is really cool but i can't do it again like i was like what are you talking about and he was like yeah this is how jaws opens and the guy was like, oh, shit, you're right. <laughs> like, of course, I thought that would be great for you. I've already seen you do it, <laughs> um, which makes sense to me. You know, he's fucking this Spielberg, height of his powers kind of situation. So I don't feel that his powers are have waned or anything. Just in case you're listening, Steve, I, you're, you know, I don't need to tell you. You're phenomenal. OK, but hold on, hold on. Speaking of dinosaurs, JK, that's a terrible segue. We've been talking about dinosaurs this entire time. Um how do you feel about the special effects? That was one of the Academy Awards this movie won was special effects. Tell me about it, Rachel. I see your hand up again.
2: <laughs> um, my favorite, 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 favorite thing about this entire endeavor um, is how how great, they how good of a job that they did. That still to this day, people think that picture Spielberg took with him and the how do, I don't even know how to say that dinos, that kind of dinosaur, the one that we Mary Kay and I thought was pregnant, that one. The tri, The Triceratops. Yeah, and when he, Spielberg took a picture of it, and somebody made this this picture that went viral over the internet about, oh, we need to cancel Spielberg because he went and hunted this beautiful creature. No wonder they're extinct because they thought it was
0: real. Dear God. <laughs>
2: it's still. <gasps> To this day sometimes I see it and pe- and I see like people like on Facebook like angry reacting to it.
0: <laughs> oh dear God. Like <laughs> I think they did a great I felt like the balance of like practical and digital effect yeah. was, was really solid.
2: It it's it held it
0: holds up really well. So, as I, a benchmark oh sorry, go ahead, Mary Kay.
1: Um the <laughs> the lawyer guy asked Hammond if the animals were auto erotic, <laughs> and I'm sorry, you are disqualified from making any decisions if you don't know the difference between masturbation and animatronics.
0: For for a guideline, as you it, when you rewatch it, if you rewatch it, I mean it's Jurassic Park. Odds are good you'll see it again in your life. <laughs> the The guideline was kind of if you see the entire animal top to toe, it's CGI.
1: Mm-hmm. If you're
0: seeing a part of the animal, it's a puppet or animatronic that's the t-rex
1: rule i thought
0: good rule of thumb so the t-rex so there there was built a there is a scale like a t-rex right and it was so heavy and like i mean the device itself right is so powerful that the t-rex the animatronic t-rex was dangerous like if it glitched So its head swung like the wrong direction or swung like loose instead of in a controlled way. Like the head alone was so heavy, it actually could have like knocked a cruiser, you know, like it it weighed about as much as a real T-Rex would. Like somebody at one point they were making a a technician was was making a repair or adjustment or even just like an aesthetic change and he had to go up inside the animatronic to do it. And so they had to, like, position it so that he fit into the part of the beast where he needed to be. And he told them, like, we can't lose power, because if we lose power, this is going to go into its, like, rest state where the head falls, and I will die. Like, the, it's going to collapse on me, essentially. What? And wouldn't you know, while he was in there, <gasps> they had a power outage. So he basically just curled into the tiniest ball he could, as far away from all the steel as he could. <gasps> while the 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 rex like came down around him and thank god he wasn't crushed but they had to pry like multiple people had to pry open the animatronics jaws so he could crawl out
2: jesus so the
0: actual rex like even though it it is fake was not just intimidating looking like to be around but it was a It was like a big and scary and kind of dangerous thing, though, you know, it's not like Bruce from, from jaws, you know, where it just like didn't work. Like they learned a lot of lessons, (laughs) um, it still couldn't really get wet. And that important scene has to happen in a storm. So they had to like be toweling it off and stuff. All it couldn't stay wet like that. But yeah, like the animatronics are incredible. And that scene where the Brachiosaur, like between John Williams score, and that beautiful moment where, like, it rears up to eat from the tree and then lands. And, like, the camera shakes with mm-hmm. you. Like, that always, like, gets me a little, like, oh. I feel a little thrilled. Like, I, I can't imagine seeing that. I, for overall, it works for me.
1: I think so, too. I expected it to be a lot more corny than it was Yeah, watching mm-hmm. it. Even,
0: like, the deadness behind the eyes of, like, the mechanical dinosaurs
2: mm-hmm.
0: kind of worked for me i was like i mean they're they're reptiles. reptiles they don't have
2: souls <laughs> yeah. they're the remember they're when... the gingers of the animal kingdom
1: remember when michael scott goes into the pet store when he's lost <laughs> and he the snake and he goes you are disgusting you'll, you'll never, never find love, love. <laughs> I oh my god it. that's how you felt about the dinosaurs but it worked for you
0: kind of yeah like <laughs> there i like you know if you watch like the the newer jurassic park movies which on the one hand I, I don't there are plenty of reasons i don't recommend also if you're a fellow dinosaur freak watch them anyway because there's a bunch of dinosaurs running around is it like, jeff just goldblum
2: in the second one too
0: yeah he has he has like a little cameo basically like he's being interviewed on TV when they're like, hey, should we save all these dinosaurs that were made and then left on an island? But that's now about to blow up. And he's like, uh, 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 I don't, we, 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 we need to talk about the... Di-. like you know," And he basically says no.
1: They had their shot. Evolution chose not to let them go into the next level. That's yeah. what he said.
0: Yeah, he said they had the shot uh, and <clears throat> nature selected them for extinction.
2: My favorite quote, very similar to that, was when he said... God created dinosaurs, God killed dinosaurs, God created man, man killed God, man creates... No. What?
0: Mm -hmm. Man created dinosaurs. Man created
2: dinosaurs. Dinosaurs kill man, and then um, Ellie's like, and then women inherit the earth. I was like, yes! Can can we make that? Can we just fast forward to that part?
0: I have an image of, like, it's like a a tattoo, not on someone's (laughs) flesh, it's like the drawing of the tattoo of like it's like a triceratops of a velociraptor and a t-rex with like some some like some scroll work and floral around it that has that in text like dinosaurs eat man woman inherits the earth i love it on my on my like i have a little like inspiration board above my computer
1: cool
0: and that's on there also you multiple post a images picture
1: to our instagram for our listeners i
0: will i also have multiple images of sharks wow um ballerinas orcas um other stuff just for some context about who i am as a person (laughs) there's one that says you are a star you bastard and one that says make boys uncomfortable so some of these okay first of all when it comes to dinosaurs all of this shit is made up right like we don't fucking know secondly we've learned a lot since this movie but thirdly, some of the stuff they just like straight up changed. And I don't mean to break any hearts, but Mary Kay, mm-hmm. the raptors in this movie, the Velociraptors.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: What? The, they're not, Velociraptors weren't really like
2: that. Okay. What were they like?
0: Uh, tiny. They were tiny. Oh. Um, velociraptors were small. Probably didn't hunt in such well-organized packs, um, even if they were clever probably more like uh, alligators where like they hunted individually, but like could, would converge on the same thing. Oh, okay. If they could, cause that was more convenient for everybody.
1: That doesn't uh, affect me emotionally at all. I when I think
2: thought, of those Velociraptors in this movie, I think of those fucking hyenas from the Lion King, <laughs> like just, yeah. just chaotic neutral. So
0: what's funny is that, um, so they made the Velociraptors in this movie bigger, and at the time, it was common thinking that velociraptors behaved this way, that that's changed over time somewhat. But it was commonly held that this is how velociraptors interacted in their social structure. They just weren't that big. And then not long after this movie came out, they found a raptor that size.
2: Hmm.
0: In fact, even a little larger. That's the Utah raptor.
2: You know, it's Meanwhile, funny that you say that because. I told you our, our good friend and fan of the show, Steven, sent me that clip of when Nedry died. And I don't know what kind of dinosaur it is. I don't know what the fuck that thing is.
0: Oh, but, that's a Dilophosaurus. Uh,
2: thank you. Um, but apparently that was supposed to be like 10 feet tall.
0: Yes, I was about to say, funnily enough, the Dilophosaurus were, were huge by comparison. They were much larger. Mm-hmm. And also there's no evidence that they spit. For some time, um, paleontologists believed that they must have had some sort of extra judge, because their jaws, the the, mm, the skeletal mm-hmm. remains we had, their jaws seemed too weak to like take something all the way down. Mm-hmm. And then they found more complete skeletons, and they were like, "Oh no, it was just a big predator, ah, totally scary." Um, so it didn't probably didn't have that frill, but it did have these two like really prominent ridges yeah. running down its head. So it was still an intimidating looking creature. I mean, certainly for someone our size, some of it, some stuff was just full on artistic liberty. Which, you know, fair enough. Also, they're extinct creatures. Like, have fun. But some of it was... Like, the speed of the T-Rex probably couldn't run as fast as they said it did. Probably. Would that make me feel better? No. (laughs) Because I still can't run faster than the (laughs) T-Rex.
2: I think Michael Scott could, because apparently he can run at 35 miles per hour. fucking...
0: I knew as soon as I said that <laughs> that this is exactly what was going to happen. My number
1: 35. Beat it! Oh, my
0: God. Oh, my God. Amazing. I, just, I felt it happening. I was like, oh, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. I love it. I mean, I'm not upset about it at all. I was just like, oh, and I can see what I've done here. Um, But, yeah, so there, there were some artistic liberties taken and some that – not so much liberty as like accepted at the time and no longer. But yeah, it was uh it it also just it was such a popular movie. It really cemented our idea of like what dinosaurs look like. Like there are more accurate images floating around of what any of these species probably actually looked like now, but they all have fucking feathers and who wants that?
1: So they were birds.
0: They were birds. Oh hell yeah. Majorly birds are the birdy. worst.
1: Why? They just are spooky. They're they're dinosaurs and they know it. <laughs> <laughs> they're dinosaurs and they know it. Yeah, and they act like it. They're all smug.
0: Can I tell you can I tell you about a sequence in the book that I'm honestly kind of glad wasn't in the movie because I couldn't have handled it? Yeah. So at one point Grant and the kids they they find like a like a maintenance shed and they spend the night there and they find a raft and they go down there's like a river that runs down the island and runs in the direction of the visitor center, which is where they're trying to get, right? So they're like, we're just going to ride the raft down the river and hope the Rex, which has been tracking them, doesn't, you know, can't, doesn't catch up to us, basically. or doesn't become aware of us. The water should help mask our scent. And at one point, the river passes through the aviary
1: With pterodactyls and shit? Yep. Nuh-uh.
0: And the aviary, when they get there, Grant is all optimistic because he's like, oh, there's supposed to be a hotel there. Like they were building a hotel within the aviary. So it was like, it was like a treehouse style hotel so you could see them in flight and stuff. And when they get there, it's all boarded up and weird and clearly was never developed. And the aviary itself is weirdly handled. Like doesn't look like it was ever going to be open for attendance. And they don't know why and we find out over time that it is because once they created these creatures and let them interact with each other and have a habitat they found out they were super fucking territorial and while they never killed anybody they were attacking Mm. any like construction or maintenance people that came into the aviary so they just had to like shut it down and leave them contained so they have to like escape the aviary basically because these creatures especially because they're children you know they're little um will
1: like try to pick
0: them they try to like pick them up and fly away with them and like they're attacking them
1: i was the whole time waiting for a pterodactyl to just swoop out of the sky because they just had those the electric fence and like a bird can fly over that so Mm -hmm. in
0: the newer jurassic park movies they make good use of flying dinosaurs I imagine they did not at the time that this movie was made because they couldn't do it well.
1: Which oh, bad. I'm fine with that. I just...
0: Something they did nail here, though. Uh, so the sound overall. It's another Academy Award, this one. That T-Rex roar, like, sound designers know it. Like, if they heard it disembodied, they'd be like, oh, the Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. It's become, like, the basis for, like, a monster roar for everything. Cool. Really? Like, it's like the starting point because it's such a fascinating. It's a bunch of the same animals they used to for, like, the dragon sounds
1: mm-hmm. oh, in Game of Thrones. Like, yeah.
0: really just such a fascinating and epic. And they did such a good job at kind of capturing what you have to imagine a creature with that mm-hmm. big of a chest would sound like. Like, if it mm-hmm. could put that much throat behind it. Mm-hmm. And the foley, and this is so cool. So many weird sounds that they made in all of the weirdest ways like the sound of the um the t-rex like shaking its head to dislodge so so they they believe paleontologists believe that while it had a strong bite force it had such a massively strong neck that the t-rex did most of its like ripping things apart by like picking it up and shaking kind of like a dog
1: yeah Mm -hmm.
0: that's the sound of one of the designers terriers playing with a rope toy (laughs) but adapted so many cool things oh oh my god And can we just real quick, before we wrap up, the most cinematically, most gorgeous, the most impactful effect in this whole movie, right, is the water in the cup, Mm -hmm. right? When you can hear the T-Rex approaching. Mm -hmm. Spielberg said immediately, that's what he wanted. He wanted that practical effect of the water. It was the effect they could not fucking figure out. They only got it the night before the shot. When one of the designers noticed that his, if he pl- plucked a guitar string, it had that effect. So there were essentially guitars, str- like they strung, like, like guitar strings, basically, under the dash and plucked, like plucked them to huh. get that effect. Interesting. But it's so cool, right? Like, yeah. it, it it's so evocative and it's so... That's, that's a good, suspenseful, scary moment. Like, you know yeah, what's coming.
2: That is cool. And
0: you get to build the anticipation because you can't see it yet. So that is thanks cool. for letting me just ramble for a while about movie magic stuff. You know, <laughs> I love that.
2: Also, before we wrap up, I also want to say that <laughs> many times during this movie, um, I kept thinking about one of America's favorite paleontologists, Ross, from Friends. I kept thinking, what would he do if he was, like, can we make another Jurassic Park but with, like, people like Ross in it? Because, like, when they <laughs> when they first see when Dr. Grant and um, when Grant and Ellie first saw the dinosaurs, he's like it's a dinosaur! I could just see, I just saw oh, my, my mind's eye Ross doing his stereotypical like, freak out it's a dinosaur! You know? <laughs>
0: Well, I've seen, like, two episodes of Friends in my life, um, so I don't have quite the same attachment that you do, but I also feel like I would hate it.
2: (laughs) Yeah. No, I I feel like... That's why I said, like, people like Ross, because I also have only seen, like, X amount of episodes of Friends, but Mm -hmm. I know Uh enough their characteristics.
0: I feel like that movie would end immediately. I don't feel like he would survive the initial sex attack.
2: <laughs> you, know? and then you got like, like I... instead of Jeff Goldblum, you got like Sheldon from Big Bang Theory. Oh my god. Like Jeff Goldblum, he's just there for the sexual tension and just to be a rock star. and Sh- Sheldon mm-hmm. would just be there for the, the snarky remarks.
1: I'm just gonna go into what we're doing next. Actually, uh, before mm-hmm. I do that, Listeners, if you are interested in looking at or purchasing any of the books we mentioned on the show, we have a bookshop affiliate page and you can click the link to that in our show notes where you can buy all the books we've mentioned on the show and then we get like a little percentage for kind of referring you to them. Jurassic Park is listed there, um, as is my book, America's First Female Serial Killer, um, which is nonfiction. So if you like, you can find those uh, through linking in our show notes. And in two weeks, we will be talking about the Netflix original film *Horse Girl*, which somehow came out in 2020. Like that was la- that was last year. Uh, it just it feels like so much longer ago. Um, yeah. It's starring everyone's favorite eyelash-batting actress, Allison Bree. It was directed by Jeff Bainer. I think that's how you say his name. Is that right? Okay. Um, but it was produced by Rachel's favorite... The Dupless Brothers. God, I love them. Ooh. I know you do. <laughs> um, it's very spooky, and it flew far under the radar of 2020. So after you rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast, you should go stream it to get ready for next time. Yay! Yay! Okay, love you. Bye. Okay, love, love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. bye.
2: This is Patrick. And this is Mark, co-host of Nintendo Cartridge Society.
0: Every Tuesday and Thursday, we're your home for all things Nintendo. On Tuesday, we're talking about the latest Nintendo news. And on Thursday, we're doing deep dives into specific corners of the Nintendo universe. Ranking
2: the Koopa Kids.
0: Determining who the best Smash Fighter is.
2: That's Nintendo Cartridge Society on Campfire Media or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Campfire.